The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey, it's Tony Macia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today's podcast is part of a special series we're doing in which we interview winners of the Charlotte Ledger's 40 Over 40 Awards. The recipients are people ages 40 and up who are making a big difference in the Charlotte area, people who saw a need and took action. You can find out more at ledger40over40.com. The host of today's podcast is Steve Dunn, and his day job, he's a mediator who offers dispute resolution services through the Charlotte office of Miles Mediation and Arbitration. Enjoy. Welcome to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. I'm Steve Dunn. I'm joined today by Joe Hamby, Director of Community Education at Roof Above, an interfaith nonprofit working to ensure everyone has a safe, affordable roof over their head. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. Glad to be here. Roof Above addresses the problem of homelessness uh, in in many ways. Uh, what do you tell folks that you do? Well, homelessness is it is a, a bold and com- a complex undertaking. And so as a part of Roof Above, we do everything from street outreach, meeting folks that are, again, living on the streets, all the way to we have a day services center in which we welcome folks onto our campus at 945 North College Street. And there they can get everything from a meal, perhaps even a place to rest their head without feeling like they may be they, a, a safe place to lay their head, get showers, laundry, get their mail, their prescriptions. They can get nursing care there. And, and that's just at our, our day services center. And then we have emergency shelter, which provides emergency shelter for over 500 men every night of the year. We never close. And then, of course, our goal is to end homelessness in Charlotte. We go all the way from street outreach to permanent supportive housing and other kinds of of housing for folks that that need shelter. It's a complex problem. It's a pressing problem. It's one that I imagine you, you say your goal is to end homelessness. How does that happen? Well, it happens when the community comes together and our country comes together and says, this is not right. How do we solve this? And what are the steps we need to take to solve it? So one of the things that I often share with folks is that, that, that homelessness is not, it's not an intractable problem. It's not unsolvable. We can solve this. We got ourselves into this. Obviously, We've had, experience, we've had instances of homelessness throughout the history of our country, but particularly in the early 1980s, we saw, uh, we saw a number of things happening. Our, our mental health, large-scale mental health institutions were closing, but we didn't have a community mental health system in place to accommodate those folks that were leaving those hospitals. A number of other factors in the early 1980s kind of came together, reductions in HUD funding, all kinds of things come together and and that help us that modern expression of homelessness happened then. And so so we know what got us into this and we know what can get us out of this. And and someone has said that the the 
crisis of homelessness is a crisis of homes. Uh, someone else has said that the obvious solution to homelessness is housing, and that's true. You have said that your work is oriented toward ending homelessness, not managing it. And it seems like in your work with Roof Above, you're helping people in the moment, right? You're mm -hmm. in, but the the goal and the purpose is to help people find their way toward a permanent situation mm -hmm. of housing. And this includes assisting with employment and health and other things. But I wonder, as you're working on this, it, I'm struggling to find words right now because it, it, see, it seems like such a huge problem. And it seems like one that on the surface of it, one might be tempted to conclude it's just it's never gonna it's never gonna go away. And we'll we'll try to help people as best we can, but it's it but you're expressly not doing that, right? You're working toward a future in which the problems don't exist in the way that they do. And I wonder how you balance helping people with their immediate situation toward these longer term strategic goals of ending homelessness. Well, we have an expression at Roof Above and that, that our victories are hard won. So if you're in this work, you said it so well, the, the victories are hard won. It is, it is difficult. It is difficult work. And a huge part of what we do is walk alongside folks and be there, be a, a support, be a voice of hope, be someone who can offer practical opportunities to assist them either toward gaining employment or gaining whatever kind of assistance that they need, but it's on their terms. So it is fascinating work and it's very relational. It's relational at its heart. It's all about seeing that need in front of you and caring for that person and developing that relationship, that rapport with them and saying, hey, let's let's walk this part of your journey together and see where it takes us. And it's not someone, I mean, homelessness said it, it's not something that you're, you're homeless one month and you're not homeless the next month. In so many cases, it's a long journey. And a friend of mine, Kevin Nye, has written a wonderful book, Grace Can Lead Us Home, often reminds people that that sometimes that hard-won victory is just seeing someone alive five years after you first knew them. Maybe you lost touch. Maybe you were working with them at one point. Maybe you lost touch with them. And then your paths cross again. And their homelessness hadn't been ended, but they're alive. And, and that's a victory in itself. So it is, it's very challenging work, although obviously the, the greatest challenge is for those who are experiencing homelessness. You've had a career in service, and you've worked at Roof Above for quite some time. You're presently the director of community education. In the past, you've worked as director of income services, and I wonder how you chose to devote yourself to a life of serving others. I don't remember who said it, but I, I, I think it's it's like – it's it's giving yourself to a mighty cause and finding your meaning in being used for a great purpose. And, you know, for me, that's that's been part of my journey. It's wanting to, the old expression, I'd rather burn out than rust out. And at 65, that's 
very much where I am. Have you always been this way, though? Have you, have you always been somebody from your youngest days who saw himself pursuing a life of meaning and service? Well, it takes it takes different forms. I, I think for anybody, I think for anybody, that's what gives that what gives us our greatest joy, our greatest meaning is in serving and loving and um, being a a voice of of hope and nurturing to to folks. So you know, for me personally. Yeah, the nurturing instinct comes pretty naturally to me. I was a, a resident advisor in college and watching after freshmen who had no idea where they were going in school or in life. And But that was because I benefited from having a resident advisor who saw that he was this freshman who had no idea what he was doing here. And I had that uh, resident advisor come alongside me and then I was able to pass that along and then had some very influential mentors in my life that led me into ministry and into youth ministry and loved that career very much. But as a part of that ministry, I was always uh, connecting young people with their place of service in the world. And so as I got older, I kept thinking, hey, maybe there's a place outside the walls of the church that I would like to serve all those places that I'm connecting young people with. And um, the opportunity at Roof Above came along. I'd like to say I knew all along homelessness services was something that I was passionate about. But actually, I was at a place where I was needing a part-time gig. And at that time, the Men's Shelter of Charlotte was hiring for part-time shelter specialist. And I went, wow, that would be interesting work. I know one thing, I will come home from that having a story to share. So I interviewed for the position, again, just a part-time gig, late afternoon, early evening kind of work, and they couldn't get rid of me, and then offered me a position working in employment. How long um, ago was this when you started? This was 10 years ago, and the the fascinating thing was is that I come from a very privileged background. You know, I went to a, a great high school in Charlotte. I went to private school, Wake Forest University, Duke University. And so here I was doing employment with people, with men whose experiences and history I couldn't even begin to understand. Came from a very different place. And, and when you say doing employment, you were working with folks who are experiencing homelessness to try to do, find employment or to maintain employment. Is that is that basically in your role as director of income services, that was what you're up to? Absolutely. Now, I, I grew, I, I, it was a huge learning curve, but I love that work because there are lots of yeses. And you can you can say to someone who comes into your office feeling like, you know, there's nothing out there for me. And I've always been a believer in the work that you're going to stay in is the work that you find meaningful. So uh, a, a part of my um, real passion in working with uh, our men that were living in the shelter was to to say find something that you enjoy, that you you want to go to work at. And a lot of times um, um, they've been offered positions that really didn't fit their interest, 
or they're, I mean, every day, every day you work with men who haven't even begun to, in many ways, understand all the possibilities that are there for them. Um, if if we can just if we can just tackle the different uh, barriers to that kind of meaningful employment, but they're there. I, I think that the inability to see what possibilities exist is the key barrier throughout all of life, not just for people who are experiencing homelessness, but for all of us, for people who yeah. are going through life, just not being aware of the possibilities that exist is the major inhibitor of outcomes that are desirable. And, and I, w- I would love it if you, if you can think of an example of a success story that you had where there's an, an individual or two who you can think of who found a good fit for themselves and landed in a place where they were able to find meaning and be successful in, in maintaining employment. Well, one of the interesting things about our work is that oftentimes someone finds housing or or leaves the shelter and finds that kind of meaningful work. And sometimes you hear back from them, sometimes you don't. That's kind of the nature of the work. Um, I think the the challenge is the barriers are so immense in some cases, and there there are things from small things like like getting that state id or that driver's license and for you or me it may be updating your birth date or you know because now they'll give you a driver's license for for eight years and they want to expand it even further than that but let's say if you have if you have if you have a you have a, a former you have a charge that makes it impossible for you to get your your state ID or your driver's license updated. That's another barrier. So it's all about overcoming all those little barriers along the way. And you're working with folks who urgently need money now. And so the balance is trying to to help and particularly in our work at at roof above is working with men help them to see there's a long game and you want to be working toward that long game too so there are great programs in charlotte we're just so blessed to have programs that are assisting folks with getting certifications in different skills but if that takes 17 weeks four and a half months and maybe it comes it maybe it's free but it's not paying you up. Uh, you're not getting any income, so there's a there's a challenge there. You see the need, but you don't. You see the opportunity, but can I take advantage of that opportunity if I need money right now to for whatever reason? So I think that's the interesting world that we work in in homelessness is that there's a real urgency of wanting to take that next step, and it's unlike myself where. I had the I had the opportunity of going to school and pursuing my education knowing that I had uh, parents behind me that were funding that for me. So I always tell the men that I work with, I don't even begin to understand the challenges you're facing. I do not even begin to understand it. I didn't pay my first real bill till I was 25 years old. We work with we work with young men beginning at the age of 18 and 
they're already facing challenges that that I've never faced. So I always hope to I always hope they come away knowing that I just have great admiration for who they are and just the fact that they're surviving. They have a smile on their face. They're wanting to take that next step forward because I think there's so many things operating against them that I find the people I just have, again, just great admiration for them because they do face enormous challenges. And for them to keep saying, hey, I'm going to try again, it's just a real privilege to be in that work. Do you struggle to stay upbeat and keep at it? On your down days, do you ever do you ever falter and lose faith in this work? That's a great question, Steve. I think you you have to you have to continually and that's all of us all of us in this world, you have to work through the cynicism. I have I mean, I have some of the unsung heroes in our community work at Roof Above. I just have the the pleasure of working with them every day because more so than me, I do community, I, I work in community education now. But to to see them come to work every day, despite whatever happened yesterday, and to say, I'm going to give this next person my very best, most intense attention and care, regardless of whatever happened five minutes ago or yesterday or the day before and they just keep coming back and they do not they don't talk about themselves they don't brag about their work they just quietly going they just quietly go about doing some of the unsung work in this community and they don't get the recognition that they deserve they really don't there are folks working at and not just and and not just at roof above but at like our detox centers here. There are people who do incredibly difficult work, but they show up every day and they just keep showing up. So, you know, for me, it's just a matter of keep showing up, keep the faith. If somebody calls, you see who's on the line and you see who's calling and you answer it anyway, not knowing what they're going to need on the other end but that's just the nature of the work. Yeah, that's the nature of the work. It's it is unique as you're describing it to particularly in the context that you're describing because you're you're constantly dealing with the the matter at hand and if you have a success story the, the that person goes away, right? Out out of your view, right? And so you're actually you're constantly enmeshed in like the the challenge and the hard part and if things go really well then then they're off, you know, yeah. and then they're successful in the world and they're they're not involved in your daily life anymore. And yeah. and it is it is thankless and the problem can seem intractable. And it's just remarkable to me that you're you're describing it as a problem that can be solved. And you're describing folks who are going in there and doing it every day in this completely thankless job that but it must at times feel as though you're not making a difference, but at the same time, you're there at the ground level, on the street, with the people, and in that way, I imagine you know that you are making a difference every single day. Well, and, and I don't want people to, uh, I wouldn't want anyone to feel like we don't see, we see successes, we see successes every day. I was just at our Nortron campus yesterday, and, and while I was there, 
we were we have a little bell in the hallway like someone completing cancer treatment we have a bell in the hallway and i was able to run into a friend of mine there that i had we've known each other for 4 or 5 years and he was on his way to ring the bell and i hadn't seen him in a while because i'm not working at that campus any longer we were able to to give each other a big hug i could not have been happier for him and he was on his way to ring the bell so he was getting he was getting housing our our street outreach people every every day somehow walk along walk alongside people long enough to gain their their trust and to be able to watch them get housing as well and that happens every day in our work so i don't want people to to have the impression that it's it's thankless i got a i got a call this call this past summer from someone that that i'd lost touch with and a young man who has been reunited with his children he's living in his own home he is so proud of his landscaping skills that he's developed he's in a, a He's in employment at a, at a place where people really value who he is, and they should, because he's an amazing human being, considering all that he's had to survive and overcome, truly amazing. And But I hadn't heard from him in a while. He happened to see a post from that I on Facebook, and he said, hey, I'm going to call him up and let him know what's happening in my life. And it was so beautiful to be able to reconnect with him. And so you're right, Steve. A, a lot of times you do lose touch. Sometimes I'll go through my phone contacts. And so for a while, I would just want to, you know, I would put a name with a number. And i go, oh, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. Uh, the beauty of our work is that so often we become family to each other and it's not just about your biological family that's the beauty of our work at roof above those relationships become so meaningful and it doesn't matter that there's there's no biological connection there's a a heart connection and and you're there for one another and you just you just create that family um I think you mentioned that you'd gone to high school in Charlotte. Are you originally from Charlotte? Pretty much so, since uh, middle school days. And I'm an old dude now, so that's a long time. Long enough, yeah. right? Yeah. Long enough exactly. to see Charlotte go through a lot of changes. I wonder what your observations are of this town, as you've been here for quite decades now at this point. Well, I think anyone would say the biggest change is the landmarks that were landmarks 10 years ago aren't there anymore and it's a whole lot easier to get lost you think you know your way around charlotte but then you realize that you knew your way around charlotte because of certain landmarks and you would say oh i turned here well now with the development happening so fast that i can be driving down and go oh this is where I'm supposed to turn. And I just didn't even recognize where I was. So Well, I find it much easier to get around now because GPS exists. You know, when I was hey. when I was in high school, I used to I Charlotte is a very easy city. Well, our younger listeners are not gonna know this, but it used to be possible to get lost all the time while driving around. Like and Charlotte is an extremely difficult town to navigate 
because it is it is it has the highest number in the entire world of streets going in different directions, right? We're not on a lot of a lot of cities around the world are laid out in a grid. And Charlotte is more like a bowl of spaghetti. And on top of that, the names of the streets change all the time. And some of them have the same names and but are different streets. And so it's very confusing. It used to be very hard to get around. And I, I and my friends literally would sometimes have to look at the tall buildings uptown to physically see where we were and try to just head in the right direction from there when we would get lost. But now with GPS, I find it much easier to get around these days. Oh, when I was when I was growing up in middle school, I would I mean, I would walk to South Park Mall, which obviously looks totally different than it did forty years ago, but it wasn't far beyond South Park Mall where you would quickly run into, you know, fields. Cow fields. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you would just your road would be just going you know, Ray Road would just dead in into somebody's field. Right. So that's you you think you've you think you've hit the end of of Charlotte and then you just it just keeps going and it keeps going. So Well, that's right. I yeah. I went to South Mech High School and they used to tell stories about when South Mech was built about that the principal used to literally have to go chase cows off the quad before school started in the morning. And my experience of what you're describing it's similar. I'm I'm a few years behind you, but I know exactly what you're talking about. My experience is with Providence Road. It used to be when you drove down Providence Road, you didn't have to get too far until you hit the fields. And now I think it's developed all the way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we. so the growth is a story, certainly, in Charlotte's in history over the past few decades. And as Charlotte is growing and time is passing, you and I both are getting older at a steady rate. You are a winner of the 40 over 40 award and you have had, you've, you've had a long career. You're still in it, still doing it. But I wonder about personal reflections on your own behalf as somebody who's now an experienced person who's seen some things. What, what, what are your thoughts about, about getting older, whether it relates to work or simply about life itself? Well, I'm probably one of the older 40 over 40 winners i'm sure there have been older folks but um but what a real what a real gift to have someone kind of call you out and say hey i'd like i'd i'd like for you to be recognized in this way and that was a, a really special moment to hear from a longtime friend and saying hey i've nominated for you, you for this and and what a joy what a joy that was yeah at 65, which kind of crept up on me. You know, I was celebrating 60 and really proud of that. And then you turn 65 and you start getting all the the Medicare uh, stuff in the mail and say, wow, I am getting older. And and you start seeing that, gosh, people are dying in their 70s. So I think, you know, a sense of uh, a sense of the shortness of time in some ways. And I know people will laugh, well, you know, I'm in my 80s and still, in fact, I have friends in their 80s who are still volunteering with me in prison ministry, for instance, and always tell them, you know, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. You know, when I'm in my 80s, I still want to be saying, hey, how am I going to be making someone's life better today because I'm here, I'm taking up space. And so anyway, but it does, you know, I think when you are older, it does bring a sense of urgency to living each day meaningfully and 
and knowing that, yeah, time is not unlimited. And so you want to use your time as best you can and for the greatest purpose. And, you know, that's the the joy for me is that I get to I get to work at a place that I just I just have such immense respect for the people that I work with. Our CEO, Liz Clayson Kelly, is a remarkable human being who is not a a corporate CEO that, you know, was was brought in but actually began her volunteer work many years ago volunteering at the Urban Ministry Center and it turned into her career and now she's leading us and and yet she's she's the same person who can be walking down the street and see someone laying on a sidewalk covered up in a blanket and she can stop to attend to them and see how they're doing perhaps even turn over the 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 blanket and see their face and she knows who they are and if you work with someone like that then you never really want to leave that work because you go that's the kind of human being i want to be and that's who liz is but but more so than that that's that's the people i work with every day and many of them have remarkable stories that brought them to us that make them even more special because they not only bring their their present skills but they bring a life experience that makes it meaningful that maybe they were on one side they were on one side they were a service receiver which i hate using that term and now they're a service provider and which so a lot of the folks that i work with just have amazing stories to tell but they're amazing people so it's a pleasure to work with them well and i'm sure that they would say the same of you and i would love to give our listeners an opportunity to learn more about roof above and the important work that you do what's the best way to find you easy to do that you can always go to we have an amazing website roofabove.org and a lot of people go roof above you know we're the merger of urban ministry center and men's shelter of charlotte happened about five years ago you know the way mergers go takes a long time for that name recognition to kick in but we are roofabove.org and that's an easy way i'm easy to find at at j hamby the letter j hamby h-a-m-b-y at roofabove.org and we delight in the opportunity to meet with any size groups book clubs sororities fraternities corporate groups and we just love to make that learning meaningful and and just want to help you learn more about our work joe hamby thank you for the work that you're doing and for being with us today on the charlotte ledger podcast thanks steve that's it for today the charlotte ledger podcast is produced by lindsey banks you can find out more about the charlotte ledger at the charlotteledger.com and you can find out more about our 40 over 40 awards at ledger40over40.com queencitypodcastnetwork.com.